Welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 everybody. What's up? Another Knock On Podcast, number 154. I don't know if that number means anything. It doesn't to me, but might to someone. So, welcome to the podcast. It's actually a podcast um, also coming live through Instagram. So, if you don't have an Instagram account, you need to make one because that's where the party's at. It's on Instagram. And then at the top, there's little circles it's called people's insta stories and up there on the insta story that's where i like to go live so if you see my little emblem and you see it says live next to it then that means there's a party happening grab your beverage of choice and get to the party so uh this morning i posted uh a series of videos showing um proper thumb position on the trigger itself and for those of you listening I'm going to do my best to articulate and describe this as well as you know simultaneously show people that are watching the feed um, this as well and a good thing is um, we will soon be able to let you watch the podcasts um, if you would like to through a video as well as listening. I'm trying to always do both. And once I launch those, they'll both be available for whichever way you choose. So in this video, uh, which I posted today, there's a series of maybe five different angles showing how my hand is positioned on my release aid and how that thumb position relates to the activation of the trigger as I'm pulling through and this is important because and really the reason I I posted this today was because uh, we've had about four to five batches of Noctuits come through um, and we're actually pretty much getting through um, you know well we've almost finished shipping the ones that did uh, that did get bought so uh, if you missed out on that email, then all I can tell you is, you know, sign up again for the notify me. It's first, we, we're not posting it publicly. We're only sending out that email to everyone who signs up and you pretty much get that notification and it's first come first serve at that time. A lot of people have been asking, you know, why we don't order more and everything like that. Listen, the orders are as high as I can possibly make them. Carter is probably nine months back ordered um, just with our orders that we've tried to put ahead of what we think we might sell. Um, so with all that in mind, that actually comes to another point. Um, I called today before the podcast about the two smooths. Originally, they told me that I would have two smooths orig- uh, immediately following the ATA show. Um, that's not obviously the case. Um, the two smooths are being tumbled right now to head off to be anodized. And, you know, once those come back, they're going to have to be put together and, and sent off. 
Um, with the Vegas tournament coming up here in a matter of a few weeks, I assume that's probably going to throw a week delay in those because uh, Carter will be at that Vegas shoot the whole time, so there won't be anyone building those uh, two smooths for us if they come in. So that's also the update um, regarding the two smooth. Um, so really with the knock to it's the reason I posted this to just get back to it. The reason I posted this was because there's so many of you that are getting a knock to it um, for the first time and you're trying a handheld release for the first time. So we're really trying to describe to you what the do's and don'ts are to a handheld release aid. Um, you know, there's several videos that you could go on, go on the YouTube channel, knock on archery, go on the YouTube channel, type in John Dudley knock to it, and you'll start to see some. If you bought a knock to it, you're going to see an instructional video that shows you how to properly set up that release. And that's going to be one thing that I can tell you is not done from the factory exactly how I personally like them set up. So it's something that you're going to need to do as soon as you get that release. Um, there's essentially a few things that you need to do. Um, one, I really like to reposition the, the barrel, the thumb barrel, which is what you attach your thumb to in order to get to fire. I like to roll that back. It comes out of the package rolled forward, um, which really is something that a lot of people did for quite a while they really like to roll that barrel forward so that they could get their thumb up and around that trigger those of you watching the live feed they're looking at my knock to it and it's black on one side and green on the other so they're probably thinking why doesn't mine look like that i got some of mine done this way so people can't steal them these continually disappear out of my quiver so if you're walking around with a half black, half green knock-on release, you're either going to get uh, a jiu-jitsu leg sweep to the back of the leg by either Chad Mendez or um, Jim Miller. I don't know how to do those, so one of those two will have to do it. If it's me, you're just getting a couple arrows across the back of the legs, which is equal to a car antenna not fun so you're going to get that and maybe um a hand about the size of a i don't know three-year-old civil back gorilla that might also come slapping up the back of your noggin so don't take a half green half black that's mine or it's one of my very very close friends's so either way i'll know it's not yours but uh, when you grab that handheld release, and with your releases, you're gonna, you know, you do have an instructional uh, link, a video link in the instructions, and it'll talk to you if you watch that, kind of how to set up your release. But I really like to roll that knob back further so that as you grab your release and you set that release down the center row of your knuckles and your hand can be flat, I actually like to then keep my thumb straight and be able to move my thumb around. And if you hold your release away from your face as you're you know, doing this, and, and um, for those of you listening, I have what's called a right release. This is a small little 
It's a grip with an adjustable cord. Um, you can find them. You can find the right release on Instagram. There's actually soon going to be um, a custom molded knock-on version of these coming. Um, if Rob and Randy can get get going, um, but uh, I use these to to train with and to practice and to work on these exact things that I'm talking about right now. So if you have the release for the first time and you've clipped it on something, go ahead and hold it away from your face a little bit. And you know you can actually change the angle, which I call the rocker position of the release by either contracting your middle and ring finger or relaxing them and essentially letting them pivot on your index finger. So this is a rocker position. And when you adjust your rocker position, you're going to notice that if you're holding this on um, a piece of loop material or a string, as you adjust that rocker position, you'll also notice that where the loop is in the slot will actually move on the hook as you contract your ring finger and your middle finger. You'll actually move that loop deeper into the hook. Whereas if your hand is in a neutral position with all of your fingers bent evenly and essentially you've got the your D loop pushed up against, if you're holding it the correct way, it would be the top side of the little slot that the hook closes around the D loop. And what's nice about that is it actually lets that D loop come out cleaner once it's fired you essentially want that d loop coming out the top side of the slot as it comes out if it's down towards the bottom it'll ride on that hook longer when it comes out so knowing your rocker position and the consistency of that rocker position is really really important to the accuracy of uh, a handheld release aid the other thing your rocker position does is your rocker position actually dictates where that trigger hits your thumb. So if you keep your thumb straight and move it over to the back of your trigger and if you hold your release out away from your face and you're looking at it, I essentially set my thumb to the round barrel of the trigger at about five o'clock on the actual round adjusto knob. Okay, I set my thumb right at five o'clock. Now you'll also notice that the last joint of your thumb, you'll see the lines on that joint where it bends. The lines of that joint are essentially behind the barrel and the barrel where your thumb is positioned on it at five o'clock on the barrel you're essentially covering from right in front of the joint of your thumb to about halfway down your thumb is where that trigger should be setting okay and it's important that we're actually in the back half of that position of our thumb simply because in that back half there 
um, it's actually a lot less sensitive. And this is really important. I'm just gonna grab a pin quick here for those watching. And what I'm doing here is I'm gonna take a pen and I'm gonna actually draw a line on my thumb right at about halfway between my fingertip and the actual bendable joint of my thumb. So I'm gonna draw two lines. They're not the, very, they're not the straightest because I'm having to do it left-handed. But essentially draw one line on the bendable part of your thumb, then draw another line halfway between the bendable part of your thumb and your tip of your thumb. So now that you see those two lines, go ahead and grab your release again. Hopefully you got a little release trainer and try to position your thumb so that your, your barrel is between those two marks, preferably closer to the one that's on the actual joint, okay? This is gonna be really important and this is something that you could actually do on your thumb as an indicator if you're filming yourself and trying to do self-analysis of rocker position or thumb positioning on the trigger itself. By having these two lines on your thumb, you've immediately given yourself a reference when doing self video analysis and this is critical because the consistency with a handheld release and learning to fire it by pulling through the shot is going to be really important in relation to how your preload is and the preload is essentially where your thumb is set to that trigger and then also how much pressure you've actually loaded or how much skin you've loaded onto that trigger before you've ever started your execution. So learning that setup and where you want to be on those lines is critical. And what you'll find is as you become more and more seasoned to the importance of this, you'll actually start to be able to minimize those lines and you'll start to be able to shorten those lines so instead of going from your thumb joint to the center of your thumb now you're actually going to be able to draw a line that's a third of the way up your thumb from that actual thumb joint and in that role you're going to be able to then find how do I set that trigger five o'clock on the barrel as well as the perfect spot within the cradle as I'm starting to execute my shot? Now, the other thing that can help you with this if you're doing self-analysis is also take a Sharpie or a pen and go ahead and mark your barrel at about five o'clock. I'm going to do this now while we're talking. I'm going to go ahead and mark my barrel at 5 o'clock with a little Sharpie. And I'm showing the people now where that's marked. 
okay and that way as you're working on this with your string you can now actually start to connect these dots so you've got a line on your joint of your thumb you've got a line now a third of the way up your thumb from that joint now you have a mark at five o'clock for those watching this is at seven just because you're reverse but it should be at five o'clock and when you're facing the release you're going to actually be able to set that five o'clock mark right dead between the two lines that you've made and when you bring your thumb to the back of that release or that knob at that position from there you're going to actually be able to keep your hand solid and as you pull your elbow to the wall behind you you're going to build pressure for that release to fire without you ever having to move your thumb this is really really important because a lot of people do one of two things and usually they're not in that position on their trigger itself one thing to keep in mind is that the most sensitive parts of really of our entire arms or legs for that matter any extremity that we have or phalange that we have of those phalanges the most sensitive one is going to be the tip of your index finger if we want to know how something feels we use the tip of our index finger this is what all the sensation comes from no matter what we're doing so that's why when people shoot an index finger release and they put the tip of their finger the very tip of their finger on that release your brain can tell to the tenth or thousandth of a pound pressure variation that you're making on that trigger and a lot of times because your mind is so in tune with the sensitivity of the front of that finger it actually doesn't really like you continually building pressure on the trigger while your pin may be floating around on the target which is why a lot of index fingers shooters get to the point where you can see they have their finger on the trigger if they're on the spot and then they let off and then they're on and then they're off and a lot of times that on and off starts to just develop into as soon as they're in the center they just hit it and they hit it and they hit it and that's a big reason why when I teach index finger shooting I do the same thing as what I'm talking about right now with my with the thumb is I really like to see people get the trigger away from the sensitive part of their finger and get it more embedded down to where you have a little bit denser tissue and less sensitivity now with your thumb the tip of your thumb is still very sensitive so pressure variation and pressure change at least in my experience starts to develop into anticipation of when that release is going to fire so i really really like to teach yourself to get the trigger set up on a portion of your thumb that's actually less sensitive to the trigger than putting it on the tips so again with these marks here you can see start to use start to use these marks and start to try to 
shrink the gap between the joint of the thumb and where your contact is. Start to slowly start to shrink that. And as you train, you're gonna find that the more repetitive that placement is on the, the back of the, the trigger, the more repetitive that is, the more consistent your shot is gonna be as you slowly start to build pressure and actually fire that release. So that's how you really want to set your thumb itself on the release. And a lot of people were asking questions as well um, regarding this video. Um, I'm just gonna talk really quick, if you have a knock to it, I'm gonna talk really quick about the steps that I go through in order to properly set up this release. It's pretty, pretty simple. Um, what I can tell you is Carter brings most of the releases out of the package. They're going to have a little bit more tension to fire the trigger than what you have the option to set it at. If I'm hunting, my hunting triggers are a little bit, um, a little bit stiffer than my target triggers. Obviously, if I have gloves, if my hands are cold, if I can't feel my fingers, which is common when I'm when I'm hunting um, I really don't want to have a super light uh, hot trigger to where I put my finger on there and it's firing so really what I do um, are a couple things with these releases when you get them out of the package first off the trigger uh, the round adjusto knob is going to be rolled forward on the release and again this is because for the longest time people like to put that trigger really deep into their thumb. What I've found is when you start to move that trigger deeper into the thumb than what I just talked about, it starts to force you to make more of a fist on the release to get it into this position. The problem with having a fist on the release is the actual shape of the hand and your knuckles starting to protrude out will start to change how this release feels on the face. So some people that make a big fist on the release like this, they end up having to turn their wrist at a very awkward position in order to get a flat spot on their face. So they're having to turn that wrist into a weird position and that can start to develop into another habit, which I don't wanna go down that road, but it too can be a problem. So by rolling that knob back, you're able to straighten the hand out, which is way more consistent for draw length if the hand is straight, because as we change the position of the hand, making a fist or you know literally doing a straight knuckle throat punch, obviously the size of your hand is much different. So we want to keep the release in the same position of our hand that allows our finger positions to be the same and essentially our actual setup of the trigger to the thumb in the same place as well. So the first thing I do is I'll take the release out of the package, I'll loosen the little screw that's on the, the, trigger, the trigger lever and I'll actually roll that adjusto knob so that it's actually extended back and literally the little 
um, if you're holding the release as you're tightening it, I pretty much turn that barrel to where the tightening screw for the thumb knob is sitting at about three o'clock on the trigger. So that way the trigger is rolled back as far as it can get away from the actual trigger unit itself. Now the next thing I'll do is on the side of the release that has knock-on on it, you'll see there's two um, flat, flat top style screws that are actually the ones that hold the case together. But then there's also a small little tiny set screw between the screw that holds the case together and the trigger. It's on that same side of the release I just talked about. And that's actually a set screw that locks in the small screw that's coming in, that's coming in the top of the casing. There's a, there's a screw at the top of the casing that's embedded down into the release body itself. And the bigger screw on, that comes down from the top, that screw is actually what controls the amount of tension it takes to fire the release. So the deeper you screw that top screw down in, the more you're compressing the spring, and the more you compress the spring, the more it'll take to fully compress it uh, in order for it to fire. So essentially you have a micro adjustment of the tension. So what I'll do is I'll cock the release. I'll go ahead and loosen that small screw that's on the side. And if you want a little bit lighter trigger, then go ahead and take, uh, now go to the top screw that adjusts the spring and back that out a few turns. You don't want to remove that, you don't want to back that screw out to where it starts to protrude out the top of the casing. You don't want to go any further than when it's flush with the casing. So by loosening that, we're essentially letting less tension off the spring. So the spring is going to be a little bit easier to fire. Now from there, what I'll do is I'll then take my Allen wrench and I'll go to the screw that's on the back side of the actual trigger lever that's coming out of the release, the silver trigger lever. There's a small little set screw that as you tighten that set screw, it'll move the trigger away from the body. So essentially, the further you move it away, the more uh, sensitive you're going to make it. You're, that is your travel adjustment. So the screw that's on the actual trigger body itself that's coming out, it's the silver part that comes out of the green release, that screw adjusts travel. So how much movement you have in the release until it fires. The screw that comes down from the top of the release that is actual a spring adjustment or tension adjustment. So once we've slightly adjusted our tension to what we think it needs to be, make sure the release is cocked and then put an Allen wrench into uh, the trigger travel adjustment screw. And I'll go ahead and tighten, start to slowly tighten that screw until it fires. Okay. Once it fires, go ahead and look at the position of your Allen wrench. And if you can imagine the position of your Allen wrench on a clock. 
So right now, the way I'm holding mine, it's actually sitting up at 12 o'clock. I'm gonna go ahead and back that down to about nine o'clock, okay? And what that's doing is when it fires, that means you're past the edge of the two sears sitting on one another. So we've backed it up enough to where now the release is going to not have any travel. It's not on the edge of firing to where it's not safe. It's safe enough to fire. Um, and from there, you can put your thumb on the release and see how the pressure is for it to fire. This one's still really, really, really fast for me. So because I know the, tra the travel screw is set correctly, now what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go back to that screw that's on the top of the, the release casing, the spring tension screw. I'm going to go ahead and tighten that in about another turn, turn and a half. And again, that's compressing the small spring that's in the top body of the release. So that's your tension adjustment. Now your release does come with a pack of multiple springs to where if this one is either not light enough or not stiff enough, you can go to either a stiffer spring and repeat the process. And what you do is you'll have to back that top screw all the way out of the casing. And if you turn it upside down, the spring that comes with it, which is the one I recommend, will fall out. You can drop another one in there and replace that top screw. Make sure the spring is in there correctly so that as the screw is tightening down, it's squishing the spring correctly. Now what I will tell you is I've found that the consistency of firing these releases is a little bit better when you're not pushing the spring to the maximum compression. You know, imagine it like the the suspension on your truck you know if you have your truck and you've got a full elk loaded in that thing and a yeti full of ice and all your your gear and a and a traeger which and some wooden pellets which is pretty much what my western truck is like i can tell you that that thing going down a backcountry road uh is a lot more rough on the ride because you're not utilizing the full extension of the spring. So if you bottom that spring out, I just find that the consistency of smashing it that last little bit to get it to fire isn't as consistent as going to the next heavier spring and just not squishing it so much with that set screw. But getting back to my release here, it was a little bit, a little bit, um, a little bit too light on the trigger pressure. So I went ahead and put a turn and a half in that top screw. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to cock it one more time. And as you adjust that top tension screw, I would recommend that you just go back and double check your uh, travel screw too. So I'm going to go back to the screw that's on the back of the trigger lever arm, and I'm going to just slightly turn that easy until it fires and this time I was able to turn it maybe about eight to ten more degrees than last time so now I'm gonna go ahead and back this back around about the three you know three o'clock number on the clock and this release now is perfect for me so I have no travel and I have the amount of tension that I like so from there now all I'm going to do is lightly tighten that set screw 
that's on the side of the casing, the small one. Be careful with this. Anytime you're working on a bow or a release or a sight, if it has one of these teeny tiny set screws on it, it's really important to have a really good new set of Allen wrenches where the Allen wrenches are very square so that as you're tightening that down, you're not going to round out the inside of that. So I've got this release set uh, pretty much to the, to the perfect tension that I like. And I guess from there, with this right release, I'm able to now practice attaching my release to the actual loop and then coming to my full draw position and getting a comfortable feel on my face. Okay, and I talk about that in the, the videos. There's several videos out there how to use a handheld release. So I definitely recommend that you watch that. Now, a common thing that we get from people is whether the noise of the release firing um, spooks game animals. And honestly, I would, you know, I may almost be embarrassed to tell you how many animals I've shot with a handheld release aid. Um, so I just know that if you're not walking around cocking it and firing it, cocking it, firing it um, while you're walking around, then obviously you're not making extra noise. Um, cocking it is that literally that sound there is as loud as it gets. Cocking the release when it comes to firing the release, the firing of the release is not as loud as your actual bow going off so that sound is actually masked uh, as well now if you need to actually get your release off your string and you're not and you're worried about the noise what you have to learn to do is actually slowly push that release the cocking lever kind of hold the cocking lever as you depress the trigger and it'll open up and then you're not actually driving that release open like that instead what you're doing is you're just holding or slightly pushing the back of the cocking lever push your thumb trigger down and you can literally let it open um, the other thing too is if you get good enough at it when you're in the field you can learn to actually push the base of your palm against that cocking lever and actually squeeze that trigger to make much less noise as you let it down because essentially you're not allowing the cocking lever to fire open. Now in that video that I posted today um, showing those different angles, what you'll notice if you look, a lot of people are looking at my thumb position and how that is and how I'm coming through my shot. But another important thing to look at is go ahead and look at the cocking lever of the release itself in those videos what you'll notice is that cocking lever is actually firing back really fast and a big part of that is because i have elected to go to a different cocking lever spring than what comes standard on other carter releases and i'm just a firm believer in especially with the self-closing hook that having that heavy heavy cocking lever to drive that open faster is better for accuracy. So those are kind of the components to the release that you need to know about. 
Um, what I want to do is I actually have several um, of the questions that people posted in regards to this video up, which I think will be very, very good for this podcast subjects. Um, but I want people out there to go ahead and work on these little things that I talked about, making the lines on your thumb, learning setup position, learn your rocking position. And if you do that and learn that setup to the exact position of that that barrel each and every time, uh, it's going to be critical. Essentially, a trigger is more or less a lever arm. It's leverage, okay? So firing a trigger is simply leverage. So what we're trying to do is I'm essentially giving you indicator marks um, to where you're able to use the same leverage each and every time. This is going to be really important when it comes to how consistent your shot feels. Um, For those of you out there that are using a silverback, same thing applies. The difference is you're not setting your thumb on the trigger itself, but the actual position of the hand, so to speak, your rocker position, and where you're putting that trigger, where you're putting the small, um, the loop in the hook itself, where you're putting that pressure has a big, big deal on how consistent that is as you fire. So to come to full draw the silverback, learning your rocker position, letting off the safety, and then slowly pulling through until that fires, um, that's going to be really, really important for you to understand. Now, with uh, the silverbacks, Um, you'll notice that the hook is slightly different than what was on the original Evolutions. The original Evolution had a much, much deeper and much more open hook design. And it also had, it didn't have the hump that's on the back, the silverback hump um, that's on the hook itself. That prevents how far this is actually opening past center. So by opening to the same spot every time helps consistency, doesn't overextend, so it helps for wear. Plus you have a much, much shallower hook to where the loop can fit in there, but it can't have too much play. But there is still some. Um, For those of you watching, I'm getting a lot of likes right now about this silverback. Um, This is one of the new wrap kits for the silverback there's actually wrap kits being shipped this week hopefully we'll have them available on the website by next week going to be pretty cool i've got uh there's three brand new designs for the silverback skins and one of them is the patriot red white and blue um so this is pretty cool this was inspired by the patriot bow and the only reason I didn't do red, white, and blue for a knock to it is because it kind of clashes with the green. So um, if you have a silverback, you'll be able to do a red, white, and blue American flag theme on a skin as well as a fluorescent green diamond plate and also a... Mm, I forgot what the other one was. But uh, that's going to be the three they'll be coming. Um, but I'm just going to jump in to the questions here uh, relating to the post that I made about shooting. Um, so, J6 Studios, uh, my buddy 
Tim is asking, um, what is your thumb doing as you pull back so you don't accidentally set off a handheld release? So when I draw back, um, and this is really the only two differences between the two releases. A lot of people ask, what's the difference between a Silverback and a Noctuit? So, you know, the Silverback is tension activated. So you actually have to fully press the trigger as you draw back so that it does not fire. Then at, once you're at full draw, you'll actually let off the safety and then pull through the release until it fires. Now with the knock to it, you do not want to touch the trigger while you're drawing back or it will fire. So to answer um, Tim's question, I'm in the habit of I always connect my thumb to the small nail tip of the nail on my index finger. My index finger is going through the hole of the release and as my hand is flat and my index finger is curled around, I actually set my thumb right on my index finger nail. As I draw back, I'll anchor in that position, then I'll just straighten my thumb, bring my thumb right to the back of the release as I described earlier. Now, if you're a silverback user, I do this in exactly the reverse order. So I'll draw back fully compressed on the trigger. Again, hand is flat. Essentially, I'm holding that safety down or holding the trigger down in the same exact place as what I would make uh, a knock to it fire. I'll anchor. My hand is again flat. I'll anchor. Then I'll bring my thumb over to my index finger, keep that hand solid, especially keep the index finger fully locked in that position flat and almost imagine it as a rock hard hook and you are pulling through that release with that index finger and your middle finger being fully firm in those positions. So I'll let my thumb over to my index nail and I'll slowly start that pull until that release fires. I really feel like removing your thumb off the safety and bringing it over to the index finger gives you a repeatable position each and every time. It's not changing. Same is true um, with the knock to it. If you're just floating out here in no man's land, the straighter you make your thumb, almost the more you'll extend your fingers out. So if you just keep your thumb pointing down, you'll almost overextend the hand. Um, and if you pull your silver back, back and you're worried about the safety and you're just death gripping it and locking that safety deep into the palm, then what you'll find is it's really hard to make the release flat because you're trying to bury that too far. Remember, as long as you've compressed it until it stops, you've gone far enough. So keep your hand in the same position. Essentially, your same position of your thumb is holding that release down. Draw back, bring the thumb over, pull through the shot. And that's going to be the way to do it. Um, the next one here, I, I marked it because uh, this is from Hargo734. Um so he's saying, Dud got my first archery harvest on a coos deer. Uh, can't thank you enough. I marked that because first time anyone gets their first animal, I want to say congrats. Um, 
but also I saw that he actually shot his first deer with a knock to it as well. So hopefully this segment here is going to help you out, man. I appreciate it. Um, Hargo734, and you've also got a knock on nation uh, black ops emblem. Um, I posted, for those of you listening, you can go back through my social media. I posted two different knock on nation emblems. One specifically had a blue arrow shaft for um, anyone who is first responder, fire, or police, all of you who protect and serve. Um, that's going to be an emblem to really signify you so we can all say thank you. Um, I actually didn't think that I qualified for that. Technically, I do just because I used to be a fireman, but um, I'm not now, so I'm electing, and I never was full-time. I was a volunteer, Um, so I'm going to let all of you out there utilize that. And then the other one was our Black Ops which is what he has, and that's for anyone uh, serving in the military or a special branch of the military, past or present. So thank you uh, for your time, man. I appreciate it very much. Um, Next question here is from BLB8698 saying, um, this is exactly what I was looking for. My trigger knob was sitting on the tip of my thumb, so I'm going to work on getting it back a little bit. So, yeah putting it on the tip of your thumb it can be good and i shot it that way for a long time however um you can start to get dangerous with it and flicking your thumb to make it fire so i just like to get it back in that position that's a little bit less sensitive and i've had a little bit better luck um next question here is from last stand outdoors um saying um really <laughs> i marked this one too um really impressed with how well your nose hairs are groomed so yes uh nostril hairs definitely try to keep them in check uh the older i get i start to get crazy little sporadic hairs on the outside of my ear which always weirded me out as a kid seeing people with ear hair so i try to get on those fast nostril hairs i try to keep in check and i shaved today and actually styled my hair too so um all in all it's a pretty good day here for the dead um let's see here uh looking um looking through some of these other questions um let's see here um travis jenkins zero is saying i ran into a problem um of what i can only say was by twisting my hands such Um, as you have it here um, it was moving my string and actually caused a few malfunctions um, and even the string to come off so oops so you were ridiculously twisting the string this is something that's important to talk about because string tension is uh, something that can cause several different variations and that's why a lot of people you know, when they buy a bow, they want to know, is it, should I buy a bow where it maxes out at about the poundage that I'm going to be shooting? Or is it okay to buy a 70 pound bow and back it down, um, to 60 pounds? So it's certainly okay to buy a 70 pound bow and back it down. Um, however, if you know that that 60 pound range is where you're going to stay, I would by far tell you to just buy a 60 pound bow, or even now you can buy a 65 because 
If you back your limbs out to lower the poundage, you're essentially putting less pressure on your string. Some bows have less string tension than others, and what I'll tell you is, when you have low string tension, a couple things are gonna be important. One, the consistency of how you're pulling through on your shot, and also your hand position, how much you're twisting that string, because the less pressure there is on the string, um, just because of the overall system, uh, the more you can start to manipulate the string and actually torque it and put different pressures on the arrow knock. So having um, good string tension is going to be important. That's also another reason why um, some of these bows now that are well over 90% let off, the string, the string starts to get very loose at full draw. So you got to be careful with that. The other thing too is a lot of people that are used to a wrist strap release they're used to pulling back in a certain fashion. I like to take my handheld release and actually turn it to the same angle as what I'm gonna be anchoring on my face with before I ever pull the string. So some people pull it almost with their pinkies down, they pull it back and then they reef it all the way over and twist it almost 180 degrees. If you're doing that, that's not gonna be good. And the other thing too is, the shorter your D loop, the more importance that that's going to have, which is why I'm a big believer in shooting a D loop that's at least three quarters of an inch long up to an inch long so that you have the ability to, to safely clip your release onto the string and then also be able to twist your hand so that your um, release is not actually bending the string. Um, Let's see, Rig 0676 is saying, is this release pressure, is this release um, a pressure release or a thumb release? So he's asking about the knock to it. And I answered that earlier in the podcast. It is a, the knock to it is a, is a trigger release that's activated by depressing the thumb. Um, just saying that he's always shot a wrist strap and never shot a handheld. So, um, again, there's a video mastering the release aid on the Knock On Archery YouTube channel, which I think would really give you an insight to all three releases, the do's and don'ts to each one. Um, also, for those listening to this podcast, I have posted on the Knock On Archery YouTube channel um, a bow build, the bow build that I did for my buddy Andy Stumpf. It's the Patriot build. It's a two-hour in-depth build all the way up to literally arrow through paper um from there i probably had at least another two full hours into uh the parts i didn't show was leveling the site which actually his site out of the package was almost bang on um and then just trying different arrows and um, spine and point weight configurations to figure out what worked best um he actually should have that bow today so i'm hopefully I'm hoping he's going to be able to see it and shoot it before he has to head to the SHOT Show. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Ty Stick, T-Y-S-T-Y-K, is asking about the Leopard on Meth competition. Um, did I pick a winner yet? I'm actually going to pick 10 winners. Um, there's some awesome ones there. Some are really funny. There's still a few coming in. I'm going to pick 10 winners. I picked... 10 winners for the tag soup. Um, each of the winners got um, some signed stuff as well as a free hat sent to them. So I'm going to do the same for the leopard on meth. I'm going to pick 10 of you um, because I can't find a clear favorite. Several are just good in their own way. Um, okay, 
ready to knock is asking um, when you're building pressure to pull through do you pull into the string stops or your wall of your cam very hard i personally i'm not a super aggressive puller I'm a fairly, I call, I refer to myself as um, a lazy shooter. I'm fairly lazy in the back end. I try to have just enough pressure and tension to where I can make my shot function at the way that I've taught all of you out there. However, I try to not be so aggressive and tense that it actually starts to change what the front half of my body's doing. So, if you're super hard on a back wall and super dynamic on the pull, especially when you have a bow that has like limb stops to where the, the stop itself is on the cam and it comes to the limb, where it's just a dead actual stop. In those cases, when you're trying to pull that hard against something that's not moving, essentially what you start to do is cause movement in the front as well. So some of the parts of developing finesse is learning that small line of i have tension i have preload i have build but i'm not creeping and i'm not so hard on the wall that i'm causing the front end to shake as well so there's a fine line there and when you can find that line your level as a shooter is going to make huge progression um, let's see, Kurt1434 is saying, hey, Dud, knock on TV. Uh, this is great. Um, if you're using a 90-degree four-fletch, how are you indexing the knock? So he's, he's referring to if I have a four-fletch configuration, where do I actually turn the knock so that the vein, you know, to determine the vein direction? Um, so I actually index the knocks the knock is pretty much um so the veins give the most clearance on um on the inside so if you're looking if you knock the arrow i am not shooting with the veins at 12 3 6 and 9 i'm pretty much turning it to where we have veins at 2 4 8 and 10 um, that's where i personally shoot them and i think that's where you're going to have the best clearance issue uh clearance as well um so uh let's see <laughs> nano machine underscore archery is wanting to know about preload on the release properly i think i covered that really good um for you and then also ready to knock um is asking a second question i'm going to attempt my first cam swap on my carbon defiant 34 i'm assuming it's going to be the same process as the prevail breakdown video um, it'll actually be uh, very, very similar to that. I actually posted, wish you could have saw it, I posted a video the other day on my Insta story about actually replacing the limbs um, on my buddy Eric Griba's setup. So what I may try to do is actually see if I can put those videos together in a small sequence. Keep in mind it isn't a video specific for YouTube. It was a video for my Insta story, so I'll put that together try to put that out there um, so that you can watch it again that'll go to the knock on archery youtube channel uh let's see here um rebel underscore z is asking about um this is a great video is there a video out there to explain you know the different releases and the advantage it's that mastering release aid video i just referred to earlier 
Um, what's the best way to train your, this is coming from Zinc Cody. What's the best way to train yourself not to blink? Um, that just comes, honestly, you can train yourself a lot from that by using this right release and really focus on just making shots from your office, your desk. I can't tell you how many times at Matthews I was sitting there making my calls and I had to make cold calls to all my dealers every day. So I'd just be, put them on speakerphone or I'd have my headset on and I'd flip my thing around to where my mouthpiece was out away from my face and I would just listen to people talk, come to my anchor position, get my thumb to the position I wanted to, pull through my shot and execute shots. And if you learn to do that, you're going to start to not want to blink and anticipate that shot as it's firing. Um, let's see here. Uh, TNT Taylor saying that he's got nine yards of practice in his house. Should be should he be practicing on a regular size Vegas or the smaller one? I would say if you have any problems with target panic or keeping your pin in the middle, focus on the bigger one first. If you're comfortable with that and you feel like you're making shots and you really want to start progressing to being able to achieve being comfortable on that face, start with the smaller dots and then as you move back, switch over to that bigger that bigger face. Um, let's see here. Uh, Kyler Rosick is saying, how does that minor twist in the D loop at full draw? not cause string torque so again string pressure which on my target bow i'm shooting 65 percent let off i have good string pressure my my loop is long enough so as i turn my hand to that 40 degree angle i'm actually not twisting the string so much uh, that it's actually moving the string um, my podcast computer is getting dangerously low here um, one thing i do want to say is Ever since Joe Rogan turned me onto these uh, barbell jeans, that's what I've got on. I love these freaking things. I actually sent him an email and told him how much I liked them. They're a follower of ours, so they actually offered a promo code. If you go to Barbell Jeans, you can enter in promo code NOCKON, N-O-C-K-O-N, and you're going to get a discount off any of your orders. Um, so that's pretty cool. I appreciate those guys. Uh, following ever since um, knowing me and Joe were hanging out. If you like super stretchable, bendable, even you can do lunges and squats in your jeans if you want, full kettlebell workout. Um, they fit super awesome. They do have a 36 inseam um, on some models, but uh, super cool. If you really want to know what having a pair of unrestrictable jeans are like, Joe wears them every single day. Now I do too. Uh, if I'm wearing blue jeans, go to Barbell Jeans and make an order. They're a cool company. And again, promo code is NOCKON, N-O-C-K-O-N. So thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully this was a good podcast for you. Knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.